Welcome to the Catholic Sphere. Each week we have a different host and a different focus as we tackle topics important to Catholics around the globe. I'm your host this week, Debbie Cowden. Today's episode is all about debunking myths about pregnancy centers and the pro-life movement. If you want to be well equipped to respond to these false claims, you're in the right place. My guests today are on the front lines ministering to women and children, and together they have decades of firsthand experience in the pro-life cause. We have Mrs. Joy Pinto, Mary Pat Yonner, and Peggy Hartshorn. Thank you ladies for joining me to set the record straight. Now Joy, we're just gonna dive right into these myths because there's a lot of them. Now you're the executive director of a pregnancy medical center, so you're the perfect person to debunk this first myth. Pregnancy resource centers, they say, are fake clinics that don't offer real medical care. Why is that a lie? <clears throat> well, it's a lie because it's not true. The deal is I have a, a doctor on staff. We have uh, over, he gives us medical oversight. I have a, a registered diagnostic sonographer and I have a nurse and they're all on staff. I pay malpractice insurance. I pay medical insurance. Um, and we make sure that our clients are getting the best service. So we do free pregnancy tests, we do free ultrasounds. If, if we diagnose that you, we do early eight-week gestation, we, um, if we think that the pregnancy is in danger, we refer her immediately to um, her physician or we have a, a physician that we call that day and they are seen that day or the next day so she can get the medical help that <clears throat> she needs and we they are getting the best care and so we listen to them we hear from them and many times the clients call back and say thank you that that was an ectopic pregnancy this is what was going on and they are so grateful that they came to us and they were referred on so they can get the complete medical help that they need and it's important to reference that making the referrals because we're not we're not trying to say that pregnancy resource centers or pregnancy medical center pregnancy medical centers are the same as birthing centers or that that you're actually delivering the babies. It's an important distinction, but those referrals are very important. Um, now, Mary Pat, another myth is this: that pro-lifers are just anti-abortion and they don't care about women after the baby is born. But as director of the Saint Gianna and Pietro Mola Maternity Home. Tell us why this is 100% false. It is because most of our work is with the mothers and, and we, we love the babies, um, they bring great joy, but every bit as much joy is, is seeing these women grow, <coughs> seeing these women become confident and secure and making decisions that they need to be made. Um, they are with us before the pregnancy and so we love them then. They're with us after the pregnancy, we love them then. And even if they place for adoption, we've had women live here two or three years afterwards if they choose that. And when they leave, we're still a part of them uh, and their life. Many of them come here for holidays and special occasions. Um, if they're struggling with an electric bill or things like that, we're part of that. We go to their graduations. We go to um, the births of other children. We're, we're part of that, you know, whatever their joys are and whatever their difficulties are I know here at St. Gianna and Pietro Mala Maternity Home, once they come in, they are part of our family and we will pray for them and help them in any way and support and encourage and love them for the rest of their lives. 
It's so beautiful. And if our viewers are interested in hearing more about the St. Gianna and Pietro Mola maternity home, you can actually watch um, a previous episode of The Catholic Sphere <coughs> where we talk about that at EWTN.com slash on demand. And now, Peggy, you're the board chair of Heartbeat International, a global network of pregnancy resource centers. And previously, you also served as the president of Heartbeat International for over 20 years. Now, Peggy, we've seen more and more representatives and senators in Congress who are introducing legislation that would require these pregnancy centers to offer resources and counseling on abortion because they claim that these pregnancy centers are intentionally deceptive, that they lure women in who think that they're going there to get an abortion only to be coerced out of it. So why is that not the case? Well, it's, it's never been the case with pregnancy help. And going back about 25 years, those of us doing pregnancy help work and the affiliation groups in the United States got together and agreed on what we could, we call the commitment of care and competence. And that is the standard that centers sign on to when they affiliate with any of the affiliation networks here in this country. And two thirds of those centers are affiliated with Heartbeat International. So we know that they have signed that commitment of care and competence. And you know, it's just a lie that's, that's an attempt to smear the great work of pregnancy centers. And we're so committed to offering the very best, most honest and positive care that we can to, to women. They deserve the truth when they're looking at a very difficult decision like abortion. And, you know, many cases have actually been brought up through the years, accusations of being misleading or deceptive to women and have actually come into the court system. Um, I, I think the court has been exasperated in many different places when these cases have come to their attention. Um, I've got it actually right in front of me what one court actually stated. This was a December uh, 2017 ruling from the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, they found that, here's the quote, after seven years of litigation and a 1,295-page record before us, the city does not identify a single example of a woman who entered the Greater Baltimore Center waiting room under any misrepresentation that she could obtain an abortion there. All right, the course, court was exasperated with that charge. And so uh, our names have been cleared. Uh, now this is just an attempt to, to slam the great reputation of pregnancy help centers. And uh, actually the general public in, in well done polls and surveys indicate about a 91% either highly uh, highly rate or support the pregnancy resource centers uh, or or rate them um, even even more more highly than that. They love their pregnancy resource centers. But then what sort of dangerous precedent does it set them when these legislators or these federal agencies like the FTC try to regulate pregnancy centers in this way? Well, it's an attempt to harass them, to take our uh, attention away from our actual mission. And uh, it's actually a threat to our freedom of speech and freedom of, of religion, despite even a Supreme Court decision just a few years ago, Nifla versus Becerra, which indicated absolutely we have the right freedom of speech not to refer women for abortion. Uh, and that's been uh, identified by the Supreme Court. So um, despite the court rulings, we continue to face harassment. 
And as the next generation of pro-lifers uh, begins their work in, in the movement to end abortion and to help women, it's so important for us to be familiar with what these common myths are because we need to be empowered to address them head on. Um, Joy, another myth that we hear is uh, coming from abortion advocates who claim that pregnancy resource centers are profiting off of women. What's the truth? That's a lie. <laughs> we are not profiting. Um, everything, we are 501c3. Everything, we are donation-based. Everything is from donors, private donors, men and women, moms and dads, grandmothers, grandfathers, students, um, who believe that they want to support and bring an end to abortion. And the way that they can do that is to be a lighthouse, support a lighthouse ministry like pregnancy help centers all throughout the country and the world so that when a woman finds herself in an unplanned pregnancy, everything we do is free. It's free. <laughs> and nobody's getting rich working at a pregnancy medical center. And we have thousands of volunteers all throughout the country. I have an unbelievable uh, volunteer base that come in every week, very committed. Um, and when they're not going to be there, they're calling because they, they know that God's called them to this work. And it is a vocation. And everything that we do is free. And so if she, uh, the Knights of Columbus in this country put in over 1,500 ultrasound machines in pregnancy resource centers in 15 years. Now, one of those ultrasound machines is going to cost twenty-five dollars to $30,000. We were the first one in the state of Alabama in 2010 when they first came out with that initiative. We benefited from the first ultrasound machine from the Knights of Columbus, where half the deal is that half of the state, the state Knights come up with half of the money, and then the national Knights back that up. Well, how do the Knights of Columbus raise their money? Well, they raise their money by selling Tootsie Rolls and pork butts and all the roasts, everything that they have to support their local parishes, and they're doing that. And I've had pregnancy resource centers that aren't even Catholic who would call me and say, Joy, this group, the Knights of Columbus, wants to buy an ultrasound machine. What's a Knight of Columbus? What do we do? And so men and women, um, grandfathers who were supporting this ministry by believing that life and the truth is the answer and we want to be a part of that solution and support pregnancy resource centers all throughout this country. Amen. And we're so grateful for the Knights of Columbus and for all of the volunteers who have made it possible to be able to offer these pregnancy resources to women free of cost. But uh, Mary Pat, how much does it cost to uh, stay in the St. Gianna and Pietra Mola maternity home because surely there are lodging expenses or or food bills that need to be paid. Are, are women, women fit, footing the bill for this? <laughs> no, they are not. Um, people who share our mission are footing the bill. Um, there's never a charge for the women here for care for their baby, supplies, cribs, diapers, car seats, things like that. Um, also, you know, their own clothes, they change sizes while they live here. And, um, you know, we buy them clothes, we buy them school supplies, educational supplies, whatever they need. We've bought them computers, um, you know, the toilet paper, the dinner each night and the breakfast each morning, it's, it's all free to them. So that's taken away so that they can do the important work of making these lifelong decisions, working on whatever they need to work on and being a mom or making an adoption plan. So no charge to anyone who's ever stepped foot in the door.
Praise God. Praise God. And then Peggy, in terms of the myths about the pro-life movement as a whole, um, we tend to be pegged as a bunch of far-right Christian extremists who want to control women's bodies. And um, could you tell us why that's not true? Well, that's one of the tactics of, of persuasion that's called a, a logical fallacy. Uh, and it, it really is, is what we think of as name-calling. Uh, to be really honest about it, it's name calling. It's trying to think of the worst possible name you could call these loving Christian people uh, in pregnancy centers. Look at uh, Joy and look at Mary Pat. Uh, they they are wonderful, loving Christian women. You can see that. Go to any pregnancy center. Uh, ask to meet their staff. Ask to meet their volunteers. Ask to meet their board members. You'll find they're the most wonderful, loving people. So that's simply an attempt uh, of the other side to smear uh, the good work and the good reputation of pregnancy help centers. And you know, when we think of extremists, what is really extreme behavior? Uh, we've seen it, particularly since the fall of Roe v. Wade. Uh, there have been over 70 examples of people vandalizing, breaking into, trying to obstruct uh, and destroy, actually, pregnancy centers. We praise God that no life has been uh, injured or damaged in those attacks. But that's really extremist behavior. And it's really extreme to say that uh, women should have a right to abortion that's absolutely unlimited any time in the pregnancy uh, without any input, even if she's a minor from her parents. Um, that's extreme. <laughs> so uh, so it, it's simply an attempt to smear our good name and reputation. It's not true. And what about the lie that men have no right, men have no right to speak out of, about abortion because they don't have uteruses? Mm -hmm. That's one of my well, favorite ones because it's so absurd. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you wonder, what about women who have had hysterectomies and don't have uteruses? Do they have a right to speak out? Uh, uh, so, um, yes, it's simply, it's simply a baseless uh, accusation. Uh, men, of course, as we know, fathers of children particularly, uh, have a moral right to be involved in the decisions regarding their children. And, um, you know, so, so there's, as with all of these myths that you're bringing up, there's actually no basis in reality. They're simply rhetorical techniques uh, to get attention and take us away from the actual real thing we should be talking about. What is abortion? What does it do? What are its effects on the human being in the womb? What are its effects and consequences for women? That's what we need to be talking about. And on a related note, Joy, the abortion industry swears up and down that women don't regret abortions and they don't suffer, suffer negative mental health outcomes. But your experience with post-abortive women tells a different story. So what are you hearing from women after they've had abortions? Well, it's post-abortive women and men. Um, you know, 60% of women who've had an abortion in the past, they regret it. But they felt like they had no other choice. Well, then we have to do our work and make options, present to them more effectively their options. And post-abortive men and women don't know where to go for help. And so we have to help them to say, we're here from you. We can help you. You know, I hear on a daily basis when Peggy was sharing about the love approach and we practice the love approaches where you are listening and you are learning. And 
for a client who is post-abortive, when she comes in, she's never told that story to anybody. That's a secret that she has buried in her soul. So she comes and she's able to share and tell that story and she gets to hear her own heart. And I cannot tell you how many boxes of tissues that they have gone through just in the release of that pain and the crying and that and it's healing just to tell the story so that they can get out of their self-talk that they've been hearing that you know they're judged they're condemned they're no good nobody wants them god can't forgive them all of those lies and then the, you know the devil plays a part in this is that when a woman is post-abortive his game plan then after he's seduced her to believe, just like he did Eve, take a bite of the apple and everything will be great, have the abortion and all your problems will be solved, it will be okay. He comes up right alongside of her the second that happens and now his job is to torment her for the rest of her life with misery and guilt and shame. And she bears that pain and she doesn't know how to get free from it. And so what happens when a woman is post-abortive, she's gonna do three things. One, she's gonna get pregnant again within one to two years of that first abortion because she's trying to replace the baby she lost. Two, she's trying to figure out, is God mad at me? And three, she's trying to figure out, can I even get pregnant again? And when I, have those conversations with the clients and we share that, they're like, yeah, all of those. And, or they'll say, you know what? I should have just kept that baby I aborted because now I'm pregnant again. And so we help them navigate their pain and their sorrow and their misery to a place of hope and healing and restoration and a new beginning and with the great hope, as Pope John Paul has said, men and women who are post-abortive have the greatest ability to become the most the, a proponent for saying, yes, abortion is bad, that you could be the most eloquent spokesperson on behalf of life, that you can say, don't do that. I did that, and this is what happened to me, and this is, I can speak into your life. And so there's support after abortion, there's Rachel's Vineyard, there's One More Soul, there's so many post-abortion healing ministries out there. Um, we had on our show recently Greg Mayo, who did um, Almost Daddy, and wrote a beautiful book about fathers and um, their post-abortive experience. So there's so much healing and hope that we can deliver. And that's why it's so important for us to debunk these myths and to help empower pro-lifers to spread the word and to spread the truth about life and the truth about what happens in abortions. And at Her Choice Birmingham Women's Clinic, you also are upfront about sharing about the health complications that women can face as a result of chemical and surgical abortion. So some pro-abortion advocates out there might argue that this is a scare tactic, but don't women deserve to know the truth, Joy? They do deserve to know the truth, and what's happening is they're finding out the truth by the experience that they're having, and they're believing the lie. And I, just last week, I had a girl sitting in the room crying, saying, Miss Joy, I thought I was going to die. 
I didn't think I was going to stop bleeding. And the pain and in, in the shower, just running the hot water on her and, and asking God, I, I deserve to die. I don't deserve to live. Look what I've done. And they take on that punishment and that shame and that guilt and that pain. And the problem is, is they're walking around with that for the rest of their lives until they know they can go to a pregnancy resource center, pregnancy help center, go to optionline.org, and you will find out where a pregnancy resource center is near you so you can get help. You don't have to stay stuck in your pain. And this isn't the end of the story. God wants to bring us all up from the ashes. We've all made poor life choices. We've all had regret and sorrow in our lives, but that's the beauty about Jesus. His mercy is extravagant and he's come to heal and restore the brokenhearted. And that includes all of us. Amen. Thank you, Joy, so much for that. And again, Rachel's Vineyard, uh, it offers hope and healing for women who are post-abortive. So if you know somebody who is suffering after an abortion, uh, please refer them to Rachel's Vineyard for that healing. Now, Mary Pat, as a full-time working mom of four kids, uh, this next myth hits home for me. Too often women are told that if they, if they choose to have their babies, then they'll somehow be prevented from achieving their goals. Like they won't be able to finish school or land their dream jobs. Their careers will be negatively impacted and that somehow their babies are a threat to their success. Now you've seen young women at your clinic as young as 12 years old and even up close to their 40s. So what would you say to a woman of any of those ages who has been told this lie? Well, that's not true. You know, God has a plan. He stepped in, there's life. And so God's, God's part of this plan now. And I think there's a, a few layers and levels here. First of all, I can give you example after example. We have Emily who came here as a 17 year old and who's now a social worker and her daughter Anya is, a, is 11 and she's doing awesome. We have Kate who came here as a 19 year old with Dominic and she got her massage therapy license while she's here and she's now happily married and working and she has another little girl, little Roma. And I could go on and on from of nurses and um, people who studied equine science even and things like that, that they're here, their, their dreams still happen, maybe a little delayed. And I think, you know, just kind of jumping on what Joy said, um, the, the hurtful effects of abortion. She explained it, you know, very realistically. And I think adoption needs to be promoted more as also a beautiful option. If they are set right now, this is what they want to do and they don't have the means for this child, then, then adoption needs to be promoted it, because it is such a beautiful choice. It not only helps that baby, but it em empowers the birth mother, you know, to choose a family and to be a part of that walk. And, and of, of course, the adoptive family who's prayed and waited, you know, it's such a, a beautiful um, option. And lastly, I think it needs to be said is sometimes God has a better plan than we have. And I think sometimes we're so impatient and we so want to know what's happening. I can tell you that my 18 year old self had a lot different ideas and plans what my life was going to be. But now today I could not be happier. God's taken me down a lot of paths, you know, and I think um, Peggy it was a high school English teacher and, and she uses that very, um, very beautifully in the work that she does, but that's not what she's doing today. And I think in so many ways, um, we can see, you know, if we just give God a little bit of time to see what his plan is, it's going to even be better. He is working in remarkable ways and, and just to be open to that plan that he has and to be able to hear from women like you, Mary Pat, and like Joy and Peggy, who are working with these women and are able to share these stories 
both of hurt, but also of hope, that there is, a, there is hope for you and hope for your baby if you are in an unplanned or crisis pregnancy. Now, Peggy, in your decades of experience in the pro-life movement, I'm sure you've heard this final myth countless times. According to abortion advocates, they say, you can't really be pro-life unless you're also in favor of free college education, socialized medicine, universal basic income, gun control, and unless you've adopted all of the babies. And um, as someone who happens to be an adoptive mother, as well as Mary Pat also is an adoptive mother, how would you respond? And also, what's the problem with these types of blanket statements? Well, thanks for bringing up that crazy myth. Um, first of all, I, I want to to reiterate what Mary Pat said, adoption is a beautiful, beautiful option. And many people are waiting in line to adopt. Uh, yes, we were very fortunate to be able to adopt two infants whose mothers could very easily have aborted them back in 1976 and 1979, but they chose life and we were able to adopt those infants. And we would have been very willing to adopt more children if the court would have allowed us, but they said there are so many people waiting to adopt that we limit adoption to two uh, in Franklin County. So that was the reason we did not adopt more. Now it's estimated there are one to two million couples and families that would love to adopt, but there aren't children ad uh, being made available in for adoption, mothers are not making as many adoption plans as they did in the past, but also the birth rate is down uh, and abortion is a, a much more prominent choice, unfortunately. So, so that explodes that myth about why don't we adopt all these children? But the, the other important point to be made here is that what's wrong with all these statements, as you point out, is that they are also simply rhetorical devices. They're what we call red herrings. A red herring is, is a smelly fish that if, if a dog is following the trail, uh, and, and going to get to his destination, if someone pulls a red herring over the path, that totally gets the dog off track. So that's exactly what people are trying to do, getting us off track for what we need to be discussing when it really comes to these issues. We need to be discussing what is the option of abortion? What does it really consist of, both for the child and for the mother and the father and the family? The things we have been talking about here, the options that are available. We don't need a red herring to get us distracted from our mission or from the actual truth that needs to be shared in love on the whole area of adoption and, and abortion and pregnancy options. And again, we have the truth on our side. And as pro-lifers, we have to be courageous in, in speaking out for the truth, not just for the sake of telling the truth, but for the sake of women and children and families who are impacted. So I wish that I had more time to talk to the three of you ladies, uh, but that is unfortunately all of the time that we have for today. So if you viewers appreciated the clarity and the insight from my panel, be sure to watch this episode with your friends, share it as well. It'll be available on our YouTube channel and free to stream at any time at EWTN.com slash on demand. You also can watch a previously aired episode with my three panelists as well. So Joy Pinto, Mary Pat Yoner, Peggy Hartshorn, thank you for sharing the truth with us today. And thank you for joining us. We do hope to see you again next week right here on The Catholic Sphere. <laughs>